The ABC's Word Wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Rolly Sussex. Hello, Rolly Sussex. Good morning, Kate. And I need to acknowledge not only has Rolly made sure he's here every weekend, today you've put in almost a superhuman effort to be here with people right across Queensland, you were up at three. Yeah. Oh. Well, I had to get a plan. Yeah, and, and... I was in Melbourne for a conference, and, but I want... Look, face-to-face -face radio is best, particularly with people, with a, pre a presenter that, you know, you've got, you've got a nice, nice vibe going. And so, here I am. Here you are, mm. showing your commitment to not only listeners of Queensland, but of course to the words that we use. If you've noticed a trend in language over the last year, a new word that's popped up, a different way that people around you are using it, might have felt a bit wonky when it went in your ear the first time. You're like, what is that? How can they say that? Uh, if you would like to have a chat to Rolly about it, do give us a call. one three hundred triple two six twelve. 612 And of course, Rolly, it is the time of year for words of the year. This is the period of WOTY, W-O-T-Y, word of the year. Uh, the current flood of these things started in 1990 with the American Dialect Society. And they have an annual meeting in early January and they vote on what the word of the year is. And this is actually, when, when we get there in January, we'll talk about the whole range because they've got the, mo the most useful and the most likely to succeed and so on. Basically, though, they started off with a single one in 1990, but they were following the Germans who invented it in 1971 as Das Wort des Jahres. And the Germans have been picking out a, a word that somehow captures the essence of the year that's just finishing. So it's like the equivalent of Time magazine's Person of the Year, yeah. but in language. Yes, but in language. And, for example, the, the first one in 1990 in America was Bush Lips. Now, this was President Bush, the the earlier one, mm -hmm. um, saying, read my lips. This is George H.W. Bush. And there are no more taxes. And I'm afraid there were more taxes. So bush lips became a, say, a, a it's a little bit like another b word. And it meant that, uh, you know, the president says one thing, but actually something else happens. Ah, I've never heard that. You That's haven't? a brilliant one. Yes. Okay. Well, they, they went on, for example, in 2000, the, the, the American word of the year was Chad. Now, Chad was a little piece of paper which was or was not punched out of a voting slip in Florida, which actually decided whether the next President Bush was going to get into the White House or not. And the Supreme Court in Florida had to rule on the validity of a Chad as to whether a vote was valid or not. And they've had some funny ones over the years. Um, Y2K was the big one in 1999. Yes, I uh, remember that. It was very scary. And everybody thought that the, the computer <laughs> systems would grind to a halt because someone hadn't put enough zeros into the, into the, and it, it, I mean, it affected a bus system somewhere in Adelaide and basically everything <laughs> kept on going. But more recently we've had in 2017 fake news. Well, that's, that's certainly due to President Trump. Mm. Um, selfie, which is an Australian one. Uh, which in 2013, I think it was, was the British word of the year and our word of the year and one that we've contributed to world language. I wonder what we've contributed to this year. We will hold off on the word of the year for this year just for a moment. Okay. Let's hear from uh, Douglas in Bellbird Park. G'day, Douglas. Hello there. Your, your observation for Rolly today? Uh, yeah, when I was in school, I was always taught you say, you use the letters A-N, mm. N, 
for if there's a vowel next, so for example, an apple, an orange, yes, and you use the word a if it's a consonant, mm-hmm. a banana, a carrot. Mm-hmm. But I find myself always saying an hour. Mm-hmm. Is it because the H is silent, or yeah. am I saying it wrong? Yeah, there's a whole lot of words that we borrowed from French, and uh, sometimes we pronounce the the vowel like heritage, and sometimes we don't, like hour and honor. And so this is one of the ones where we write H, but there's actually no sound there. And if you listen carefully, there's not, not a huh there at all. And there are a few things like his, history and historical where we're not quite sure how strong the H is. You, saw, you say a history, so obviously that H is a consonant, right? But it's possible to say either an historical novel or a historical novel. Yes. Both are accepted. And with a historical novel... It sounds as if the H is a consonant, but with an historical novel, it's more like just starting with a vowel. So when you see a, when you see an H, you've got to ask yourself, do we actually pronounce the H or not? And if so, then it's a consonant, and if not, it's a vowel. It's not necessarily just incorrect? Uh, well, there are some like an historic and, and a historic and so on, which are really in play at the moment. Both are accepted. Choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure <laughs> and watch carefully which way it's falling out because within about 20 years we ought to know which way it's going to go. My guess is that the age is getting stronger and so a historical novel is going to be standard and an historical so will be sort of Do you dated. think that's about the, the age getting stronger and not... Uh, people not thinking about the rule or the sort of grammar slide? I think people activate the rule without being able to explain it sometimes. No, okay. no, Doug, Douglas understands very well what's going on. Yes. Well done. But a lot of people simply say, I've heard it this way and I'm just imitating what I hear. And mm. that's the way we actually, all of us have got a head full of English. Not too many people can actually explain how it all works. <laughs> I don't know how it got there. That's right. Hello, Rick. How are you going? Oh, good, thanks, good, thanks. Your uh, observation? Uh, well, what, about your discussion just now, the Americans say herb instead of herb. They do. Yep, well said. And in fact, in, in French it is herbe, and is pronounced in French without the H. Uh, we've actually anglicised it. We pronounce the H as a consonant, herb. The Americans don't. They say an herb. Um, when they have a man called Herb, they use the H then. They do, but the one which is... I mean, Herb in French is just a, a word meaning grass, and uh, they've borrowed the, the French pronunciation. Um, the, the Americans are also much more careful about Spanish pronunciations. They have nacho and macho, and we tend French to say nacho and macho. So we anglicise it a bit further. My, my question's about the word so. Oh, yeah. If you notice... Recently, a growth in the use of so as the beginning of the answer of a question. Yeah, and and almost only as answers to questions. So that, uh, you know, if you've got a, a question and you're perhaps trying to assemble your thoughts, you don't want to have a break or a bit of silence. So you, you drop in a so, sometimes quite a long so, mm. meaning, no, we're getting there. Just be patient. There will be an answer. It's a, a bit of a habit, and I'm afraid it's become so much imitated that it's become a, a bit a bit irritating. So I guess I should move on to the next question. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> Thank you so much for that observation, Rick. Dell is in Oki. G'day. You shouldn't have put me on now when I'm laughing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, it's not really a language question, Rolly. Yes. I like doing cryptic crosswords, mm-hmm. and I, I can solve the one in the Toowoomba Chronicle. I can't do the... Um, 
the Times one in the Weekend Australian, but sometimes I cannot, when I get an answer, mm. I cannot see how it ties in with the clues. Mm. And I'm wondering if there's a reference I can refer to to find out why they have a particular word for the answer. Okay. These things tend to be very personal, and if you do a crossword from a particular newspaper, after a while you'll start understanding how the crossword composer's mind works. You know, they've got certain kinds of ways they they give you the clues and you think, aha, I've seen that one before and it'll apply this time. But going, as you say, from, from the cryptic crossword in one newspaper to the cryptic crossword in the Australian, which comes from the Times, which is hard anyway, um, the place, the bloke to look at is David Astle. Um, he is on... Um, on TV in in uh, in Australia, and he has a mind where which is able to decompose words. He looks at a word and he sees it's made up of seventeen other different bits. You know, um, so watch out for David Astle on the internet. Chase him down because he's done some some books and some articles about how you go about putting together a clue. It's a very very individual thing. Yeah, it's very very interesting indeed. Yeah. My my favourite clue for for for. Um, for a cryptic crossword was A B C D E F G P Q R S T blah, 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 to the end. And the answer was water. Oh, it left out the H two O. Oh, he left out H two O. Oh great. <laughs> you were you were almost there. Uh. Well done. <laughs> But you, you, you know, you, this is there is a certain certain evil twist of the mind in these. Things. I only got it because you already told me the answer. I would have been very very confused otherwise. Hello, Rob. How are you going? Yeah, I'm going all right. And your question? Yeah, just on the uh, use of the word uh, subconscious and mm-hmm. unconscious. Mm. When you hear people say, you know, I I uh, did an, an unconscious action, or yes. I thought it unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, and subconscious seems to have gone by the wayside, which is, seems rather strange to me. Yeah. Um, sub means under, and so subconscious means something which is under the level of your awareness. Unconscious means not. So if, if something is unconscious, you simply have no idea what's going on, but it's, it's happening without your conscious control. Subconscious means there's perhaps something in the background which is driving you, but you're not conscious, no, fully aware of it at the time. So there is actually a difference, and, and you need to be careful. So that sounds like it's a, uh, Rob has noticed in an incorrect usage. Mm-hmm. So now we just have to wait 20 years, and then it may become the accepted usage. Possibly. Um, there, is, there is an important difference, but also a lot of people use them more or less in, interchangeably. And often it doesn't matter. It means uh, something which I am not fully aware of you can say unconscious or subconscious, and it probably doesn't matter. It does create the picture of somebody like just passed out, though, in my mind. Oh, yes. Un- uh, that, like, the physical know, unconscious is... I was unconsciously doing something. Well, how on earth did you do that? That's right. If you were... If what you were, a miracle of science. Yeah, well, maybe, yes. You know. It could be. Uh, on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland, Professor Rolly Sussex is here to uh, talk about the words that you've noticed in 2019. Perhaps you have a question to ask him. Join the conversation. one three hundred triple two. 612 is the number to call. 1300 222612. Hello, Craig. Hello. You're in uh, in Red Lynch. G'day. Uh, what's your question or observation for Rolly? Well, it's an observation, really, and it, um, it's got to do with people when you're talking to them that uh, to- always qualifying what you're saying by saying that's true. 
And after a while, it just sort of burns a bit. If you get what, <laughs> yeah. if you get what I mean, you, yeah. know, you feel like you like you could be possibly telling them a, a fibber every you know every sentence, okay. and, and it just it just gets you right. Right. So you're feeling like your response is, "Well, what are you taking me for? Some kind of liar?" Yeah. Of course, I'm telling you the truth. No, but what I do say is, oh, you, I, well, I generally just say, "I'm glad you think so," in a fairly sort of. <laughs> You know. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, I know it in a, um, there's a different way that it's used to where it's a, an acknowledgement. Um, almost that something surpri- That yes. there's something surprising almost mm, where you might say, I went, yeah. w- I went water skiing on the weekend yeah. and the other person might just use the word true. Mm-hmm. And I've, I hear that a bit too. That's Without a, that. And that means, wow. True. Like, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, true. I, I think, Craig, there are a couple of things. Here, one is that that yes by itself can sound a bit kind of weak. Now, if you just say yes, or no, will you? A lot of people don't want to say yeah or something, and particularly formally. Mm. And that's why we've got absolutely, which a lot of people use for a kind of beefed up yes, meaning I I confirm absolutely. Yeah. And that one has <laughs> has become a meme in itself. It's yeah. much overused, and I hope it's going to die. <laughs> um, that's true. Can have a sort of of conceding something you know that's true but in other words i understand what you're saying there is some truth in it but i now wish to offer some qualification about it so this is quite subtle if you're going to use it properly or it could it could just be that's true as in yes i acknowledge what you're saying yes i agree with you yeah and now let's move on yes that's true yeah can we have a cup of tea <laughs> on abc radio brisbane and queensland professor rolly sussex is uh, keen for your observations and questions of language. If you've noticed an evolution of the way things are being used, feel free to give us a call, one 612 On the line now is John in Cairns. G'day. Morning. My question is the sequence, birth, the register of births, mm. deaths and marriages. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be births, marriages and deaths. It's out of sequence. Uh, yeah, I've... I've seen both, and I'm not sure offhand which the official uh, order is. But again, births, marriages, and deaths, you would think is the natural sequence. If you're, if you're dead before you're married, then there's something seriously wrong. Births, deaths, and marriages seems to flow, even it though it is obviously a bizarre yeah. order. It, it seems to flow. The, the old one, I mean, there are various words associated with these things which are now falling out of use, like spinster of this parish which is the way of describing an unmarried woman who is about to get married very often. Oh. No, so-and-so is, is, is married to so-and-so, this other person, spinster of this parish. Another word which is falling out of use is nay, N-E-E, or rather N-E acute E, meaning mm-hmm. that your, your pre-married name, right, um, your maiden name as it used to be. And so that, what, are, what are people saying now instead of that? They don't refer to it at all. Okay. Because, I mean, some people keep their maiden name, quote-unquote, when they get married. Yes. Sometimes they take their husband's name. Sometimes they have both. But the notion that you need to refer somehow to your maiden name has fallen. It's not so important as it used to be once. And so I think that there's a bit of a shift going on there. On ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland, uh, Jarrah is on the line. G'day. Hi, good morning. My word is bucolic. Oh, yeah. Now, wow. I've heard it used a lot this year, yes. and I reckon it doesn't really sound like what it should mean. <laughs> okay. Um, it comes from a Greek word meaning a herdsman, bucolikos, and bucolic means something which relates to the natural landscape and countryside and country life. 
So if you if you've got a uh, an, a landscape with some cows, you know, eating the grass and and uh, a couple of kangaroos bounding across the background or whatever, that can be very bucolic, and it means it's sort of pleasant and natural and and countryside-ish. That's what it means. Uh, but but the trouble is that the the word doesn't sound very gentle and countryside. No, it doesn't. It it suggests I mean, perhaps because of I don't know associations with other words that it's a bit more violent than that. So, do you think it's being used incorrectly, Dara, or it just feels weird to hear it? I reckon it sounds like a disease rather than <laughs> like, like country living, but taking into account the horrible drought conditions, maybe it is bucolic now. Yeah, well, <laughs> bucolic is, is more related, I think, to traditional British scenes of nature, which is all green and lush and so on. Um, the Australian landscape is a bit, bit harsher than that, particularly at the moment. For all the poor folks on the on the farms, is it is it a bit harsh in Fernie Hills, or is everything okay, Colin? Yeah, oh, pretty hot here. <laughs> uh, Rolly, uh, a couple of observations just regarding a previous caller. The use of and, to, and as far as I can tell, it's pretty well dropped out where you would normally use it before vowels like and orange. It's now just a all the time. Mm. But that's not what I wanted to uh, speak to you about. There's an old uh, expression that's the proof of the pudding yes. in the eating. Yes, uh, I. Almost entirely now, I still hear it used a bit, but used this way all the time. The proof is in the pudding, is what people say. They do. The proof is in the pudding, all they say. And that makes no sense at all. Um, it sounds like a sixpence just, in the Christmas pudding, doesn't it? Up, yeah. If they're just shortening up a longer expression, That's they right. should say the proof is in the eating or something like that. The, the real but problem no, is... The uh, sports yeah. commentators and various people, the proof is in the pudding. I say, what on earth is that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the trouble with the, the, the long phrase, no, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, has an awful lot of words. And um, very often the, the phrases and idioms that we like uh, like using are shorter and snappier up to about five words is okay this one is definitely long and so people forget the full form and they just leave out the, the last bit so you're dead right it's a but i'm afraid a lot of younger people probably don't know the full form and they, they just sort of say the proof is in the pudding because again as you mentioned earlier we mimic what we hear that's right we draw understanding from the way people respond to it and if we're not set right, yes. then that's the way we proceed. And if you don't have some friendly person who's going to say, actually, you've got that wrong. And again, a lot <laughs> and of And everyone loves that person. Uh, well, a lot of people don't like correcting their friends when they've got something wrong. Uh, it, is, it is actually a bit of, no, intrusive. You know, you don't know what you're on about. Mm. And doing it in a diplomatic way is quite tricky. So your, your, your observation is dead right, and I'm afraid, Colin, this one is probably going to end up as being one of the, the sayings which has been forever shortened, and the, the eating part of it will just get lost. He did mention that it's, he hears it with uh, sports yes. casters, sports commentators. Mm. I think there could almost be an entire section of language shift oh, attributed yes. <laughs> entirely to yeah. uh, sports broadcasters on occasion because they're so active in the way they use their language. And they they're talk, often doing it quite quickly. They talk fast. Yes. And uh, I think that the sports commentators were also probably responsible for snuck rather than sneaked. Right Now, sneak, the past tense is sneaked 
all right? But um, snuck, which is an Americanism, so on snuck in the corner for a try. I've heard that a lot in rugby league broadcast, and it's now spreading out, out of rugby league and into other areas. Yeah, I think snuck is in my brain. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you've I got, think it you've is. got to be sensitive to sports commentators. They get a lot of syllables out very fast. They do. Um, and you could say they're at the forefront of language evolution. Uh, we need to roll on. Uh, Wayne in Mango Hill, a second last caller. Uh, your observation? Uh, the word unexplainable, mm. which is in common use, and inexplicable, which is what I was always taught. Are they both right, or is one just lazy? Okay, inexplicable is probably got a better pedigree, and it's certainly older. Unexplainable, now the, the difference is that the in usually makes a negative with verbs, words that we've borrowed from Latin and French, and un goes very much with words that we've got from English. So you've got illegal but unlawful. Uh, this this uh, These pair of words... Um, I think mean virtually the same thing. I would definitely prefer inexplicable. It's got much more quality about it. Thank you so much for that, Wayne. Wayne in Mango Hill. And our very last caller for the day is Robert. G'day, mm. Robert. Hello, uh, Robert mm. uh, here, Rolly. Look, yes. I'm, um, sorry to be pedantic because I rang uh, a couple of months ago about this, but um, the ABC has uh, resorted once again to the introduction of the Lord of Language, mm. a word in your ear. Mm -hmm. um, so that uh, it, does, it, does that mean a word in your backside? You know? Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. The, the problem with this is that when you've got an R... Uh, it tends to want to attach to the following syllable. And this happened with Mr. Abbott, right, who was sometimes called Mr. Rabbit. And it sounds as if his name is Rabbit. No, Tony Rabbit rather than Tony Abbott. And the, this is a feature when you, when you have consecutive English, the R will tend to join up with the following syllable, and that's how it happens. It's an entirely regular feature of English, and uh, it does, if you slow it down, it can sound a little strange. And if we go slower enough, a word in your ear, we'd make a little pause, it will be absolutely clear. Yes, we can be very clipped and very careful, or we can just, you know, have yeah. a bemused smile yes. when we uh, think of the word sort of <laughs> leading in uh, to itself. Uh, Thank you so much for that observation. I appreciate that, Robert. And thank you so much for your time and your patience and your vast, vast knowledge, Rolly Sussex. Oh, I, I love sharing it with people because I was taught English in a way which made it sound like a dead corpse. And what in fact is going on is English is evolving all around us. And there is a lovely core of English, which we've inherited from previous generations, overlaid with all of the stuff that's happening at the moment. And some of it is social media and some of it is colloquial. Some of it is English in other places. And actually... Working out how the, you know, the dynamics of all of this is one of the most interesting stories of our time, I think. It, it is. Th there is more to it than oh, words, yes. as you say. The words are sort of the, the symptom, mm -hmm. and we get to tap into greater changes that are happening around the place um, when we pay attention to them and pay attention to, to what's happening. And do you want a last word? Oh, I'd love a last word of the last day. This Christmas, give the gift of <gasps> peace. Go ahead. Sorry. Put some Valium in the Christmas pudding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just remembered, we for I forgot to go back to the word of the year. That's why I yeah. exclaimed because um, we were talking about that and then the calls over overtook us. What is the word of the year for 2019? Okay, there are lots. Um, the Macquarie has come up with their version, which is cancel culture. 
Mm -hmm. And that happens on social media if you're saying you're cancelled. It means that someone who's been celebrated for something or other has been decided, someone's decided that they're no good anymore and you basically dump on them. Mm -hmm. And if you're cancelled, you've no, you're no longer a person of admiration. So that's the Macquarie's. If you get online and do W-O-T-Y and then look for, say, the Macquarie Dictionary, the Oxford Dictionary and so on, you'll find a whole stack of these. And over the next month, there's going to be about 15 different ones coming out. So um, the people's choice for Macquarie was robo-debt. Now, this is what Centrelink does when it tries to recover wrong payments. Right? Yes. Uh, the official version of that is online compliance intervention. Very good. Very good indeed. Robo-debt yeah. Uh, yeah, has a bit more muscle, uh, although we might not see as uh, much of it anymore. Uh, Rolly Sussex, thank you so much for joining us. Do appreciate it. On your radio and online. At home or on the road. This is ABC Radio.